Hey gang, welcome to the 11th Epilogue Gaming Podcast. From everyone at Epilogue, we hope you enjoyed your weekend. I'm Ben Volmer, and this week, as always, I'm joined by Marcos Carmona and Dakota Trammell. Uh, hey guys, I hope you had a good weekend. Yo. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, you you specifically had a fantastic weekend with all this Kingdom yeah, Hearts pretty... and Evo news. and Ooh, yeah. this was I played a little bit of Dragon Ball Fighters at a little tournament. It was fun. Oh, yeah, that's right. How'd that go? Really well. Yeah. You I got beat down fourth, like, right? towards the end, but yeah, I did pretty okay. Yeah, good. Um, and Dakota, what have you been playing this past week or, or so? Um, Still Okami, but that's about it. Okami. I, that's a really long game, isn't it? At least from what I've heard. Uh, I, it's an RPG, right? I would say it's yeah. an RPG, but most RPGs are long. Yeah. Probably about 40 so I hours. Like, I think what screws people over with Okami is that uh, you get to a point and it like makes you feel like it's the end, but you're in, in reality, you're like less than a quarter away through. Mm-hmm. Is it got one of those like fake endings, fake out endings? Well, it doesn't like it. It just wraps up everything so nicely, and then it goes to like, "Yo, there's a bigger baddie out here." You know what? Then, I was yeah. actually I played a, a few few months ago that did that a lot. Was Alien Isolation? Every time you think that game is about to finish, it doesn't. Never and it, did. It just keeps going, <laughs> and so I just said, "Okay, I'm not finishing it." Then I've never really done that. Like. I like to push forward, but the game just kept repeating itself. And I was like, what are you doing? This would have this would have been perfect as like a 10, 12 hour game. But instead, they uh, it was like 40 hours. I think I played like 25 Jesus. of it. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty long. Yeah. And plus, that's that game is just. <sighs> you don't like that game. I remember talking about that with you. <laughs> it's not bad. It's what else came out during. Uh... There's two uh, horror games that came out at the same time, and it was Alien Isolation and Evil the other Within. One. Alien... Evil Within. Oh, f- never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like Evil Within either, right? Alien Isolation is better than Evil Within. Yeah, wow. well, Alien Isolation at least has a cool hook. Like the there yeah. is some really neat stuff to extrapolate from Alien Isolation that I hope I hope games take and use in the future. But like as a as something that just kind of repeated itself, the scare wore off. The narrative sure wore thin. It's like, unless you're a mega fan of the Alien franchise. I like the movies, but like, yeah, it's just not not worth those 40 hours, man. I'm just one of those people that when I see that, it it like better be that kind of expansive RPG experience if I'm going to have to play for 40 hours. Like, otherwise, (laughs) 15 is like my golden. That's I want I want my games to be about 15 hours. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's where it really fell thin was in the narrative. And then. Pretty much the entire game was just a giant fetch quest, and as soon as you got your thing that you had to go get, uh, and you brought it back to the dude, something happened to them, and it, it was pointless. Yep. It was a waste of time, <laughs> which was the worst. And that was every single like you know little quest that you did. It was the worst thing. Yeah, I, I seriously, I think I got to a point where the second time, I, the same thing happened where I thought the game was over, and then my character would fall through a stupid like um you know whatever. What do I always make fun ventilator of? Shafts? Ventilator shafts. I I hate that. I hate that uh, <laughs> that trope in video in games. The ventil- Yeah, it's just so annoying. In every video game you play, there's like a ventilator shaft that leads you to like this brand new level design. And I'm like, could you have figured out a less obvious way to connect these two dots? But the way Alien used them <laughs> is you always thought you were gonna escape, and then you would just fall, and that was you'd like fall through, and it was like, oh no, here we go again. Got to do it all over. It's just absurd oh, and then it like super pretty late into the game it kind of introduced like a new enemy and i was like it's too late to do this now and this is like when you're actually genuinely close to the end yeah because like, i didn't get there i did not get that far and i mean i can't even remember it now but it was like it's, it's too late for this the game's right. almost over you, sh- you should have done this uh like at least halfway through right doesn't dead space kind of do that though with one of the uh Acromorphs, or what are they called? Necromorphs. Uh, the necromorphs. The necromorphs are all, are like ever present, though. There's not just one of them. There is a much larger. I forget what it's called. It. Uh, gosh, I've played that game twice. It's the necromorph is like a species, and there it's like a a race, and then there's tons of like species within the race. Right, and then there's a there's a larger one. Because there was like one sorted type of necromorph that wasn't until like end game till after you did that 
weird uh, zero gravity ventilator shaft or not not a ventilator oh, like a ventilator shaft tube. in a video game it was this like giant tube that you're in like zero gravity and you had to put stuff into it otherwise you would fall out into space and there were these necromorphs that were that weren't anywhere else in the game but they would like shoot these giant needles at you i I I only vaguely remember that. I remember there being there's one boss at the end of that game that's like a giant necromorph brain that you have to like it has limbs and stuff, but that I don't remember that coming back to life really. But you're probably right. There's probably some instance of that taking place, but um I guess let I, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. I guess I should say that I I've, I've been playing a little Kingdom Hearts 2 and uh, I told Marcos this earlier, but I've been modding Fallout 4, and I'm not even sure I'm going to play Fallout 4. I've just been modding <laughs> it, so I don't know if that counts. Um, but I have been doing that. But I guess let's just go ahead and jump right into our news this week. And it is a shallow news week, but I thought Marcos could go ahead and lead with the Kingdom Hearts trailer. Uh, Yo. Yeah, it, people loved, people loved it. There's actually two trailers, correct? Yeah, One, so I, off to I, Disney Expo 23 waking me up in the middle of the night 3 a.m yeah. let out the largest shriek oh ben was there <laughs> i was yeah. uh-huh it was it was loud oh. it was loud yeah uh i actually you know i woke up because i got like three texts at once from three different people and all of them have a link to the new kingdom hearts trailer and i screamed <laughs> it was so just from an outsider's perspective like i'm playing two i've played one i, I guess i'm a like a more general fan of the franchise specifically more so than yeah, you like 80 percent of the user base <laughs> yeah yeah i'm definitely not one of the hardcore fans but the trailer looked really good i i think that it you know for something that's been gone this long you know people always kind of joke oh, about man. it being gone for like a decade but that's not really true because there's so many different iterations and people yeah, treat those as spin-offs one. but are they, they're not really spin-offs right i mean it, this, it's weird to call them spin-offs because yeah. they are li- like every single game like maybe outside of recoded, they are all very plot centered. Yeah, everything, they, mm-hmm. even the mobile game, as dumb as it sounds, that has a very many has a lot of uh, plot points. Especially Kai has more than what most you would expect. Yeah, so it's kind uh, of it, it's kind of interesting because all of this stuff is attempting to be interwoven into a larger narrative. Um, and you're already saying like I'm playing Kingdom Hearts two, but it's. Toward the end of this, I'm, there's already some stuff. All, I only missed, what is it, Recoded? Or no, Chain of Memories. That's the one I yeah, missed. Chain of Memories is the only one, really, that you missed and in the order it's, of release. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm just like, I, I don't know what they're talking about right <laughs> now. So it really yeah. is. It's I will say it's impressive. I think that any time a game tries to weave this much inst- information together into like a uh, an actual narrative that people can understand is pretty impressive, whether or not it works. You know, there's varying thoughts oh, on this. I know you love it, Marcos, but some people I, are I like, do it doesn't love make, it, you know, think it doesn't make sense. People are entitled to their anger because it, it's more than a couple hours of dedication you have to make just by looking at videos on YouTube and trying to understand everything because everything is so convoluted and insane. Right. Um, well, but, I, the, yeah, so the trailer. There were, and tell us a little Ooh. bit about, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, let's walk through the first trailer. What, what new was in this trailer like what what did we see that we hadn't seen before the first thing that you see that's new is sora donald and goofy walking into the monsters inc world i guess i forget what the uh, emporium is their workspace but they see sully and mike wazowski and boo in there and oh a smile lit up yeah i i love monsters inc i think it's honestly the perfect the perfect world for Kingdom Hearts to uh, take into its fold. The only thing I'll say is that I think Sora's costume looks a little weird from the Monsters Inc. I think all Inc. of them world. look kind of weird, dude. Well, they <laughs> always look at, do. Uh, yeah, Donald they always with his do. single eye and Goofy with his. Oh, I mean, they're they're already memes, man. The memes have come home. Nothing, nothing will ever shock me like seeing uh, in Pride Lands Goofy as a turtle. That one still <laughs> bothers me. But uh, I mean, Goofy's a sea turtle in uh, Atlantica. Well, that makes more sense. You're underwater. <laughs> turtles just don't. I mean, there are there are land turtles, right? Sort of. I you don't even see yeah. water anywhere in on those levels. Like, what do they do? Hey, man. 
let let him be. Let him be. I don't, I don't know what to say there. All right. Well, so let's move on to the second trailer just really quickly. There, it, I don't even know if you'd classify this as a trailer so much as a music video for the game almost. Yeah, it's basically a music video for Utada's, uh, Utada Hikaru's new song. And so I explain explain why people are going bananas over this. Because um, this is the first time, or first time in a long time that Utada Hikaru has made a song in general. There was a big backlash back in the day because uh, her father at the time pretty much uh, was her uh, manager, I guess. Mm-hmm. And... It was not a good. It it was not good for Utada Hikaru. She went through a lot of abuse, I believe, is what happened. Okay. And uh, recently, she left him and all that stuff. She started doing her own thing. She released her own new album just recently, and um, was then announced that she was working on a new song for King Hearts. And this is the song because she's been doing. She's done the past two songs for Kingdom Hearts. She's done Simple and Clean. And Sanctuary, and both of them are bangers. Oh yeah, and this Sanctuary one, in particular is very good. Is this third one is beautiful? It's yeah. not like as poppy and big as what Simple and Clean and Sanctuary were, but this one is beautiful. This so are we expecting nice. this to roll at the beginning of Kingdom Hearts three? For sure, it's okay. gonna happen. I mean, at the beginning, you're gonna hear the the swooshes, the ocean that you always hear. I imagine. Right. Every other Kingdom Hearts has opened up with an ocean outside of Dream Drop Distance, which has my favorite opening of all time. But that's another game in itself. Well, so lots of Kingdom Hearts news dropped this week. I'm honestly, I think this is this is about they needed to do a lot to impress fans who have been waiting for so long. Like they needed this. They needed it to look this good. They needed to build this much kind of hype around the franchise again. Oh, yeah, man. Everything and here. The gameplay that they showed off looks great. It does. It does look good. So um very exciting stuff for kingdom hearts fans i there again this is a really thin news week but i did want to talk a little bit about um uh, bandai namco working on metroid prime 4 just because so we we even talked about this a little bit too before the podcast but it's been kind of up in the air as to who was going to be working on metroid prime 4 we didn't we didn't know who it was going to be um we knew it wasn't going to be retro i think it had been confirmed that it wasn't retro which was Richard really just finished their um that samus returns one right or am i thinking of somebody else no i think that was retro um I, and i think that was part of what confirmed it was like okay so now we know that's not what they're what they're working on um i don't know i don't know and regardless it wasn't retro that was the name being thrown around a lot mm-hmm. so basically what this is doing is saying okay it's some bandai namco team but i don't even it, that doesn't mean much anymore bandai is huge right yeah my bit is on their anime department i think that'll be fun but why would it that doesn't seem to fit really why would it fit i mean because i mean looking at what uh metroid 3 was right that's the one where like had those weird ass uh, are you talking about metroid prime 3 yeah the one where um that's the one where people were really polarized yes with the whole samus and her other half making her more they try to make her more humanized but in reality they just made her seem more fragile than anything i have not played it for full disclosure i've actually not played any of the prime series but i do know that yeah that's the one that's that's pretty polarizing did who developed that one i have no idea well i regardless i guess this is interesting if only and the reason i i almost didn't want to even talk about this because bandai namco being behind it doesn't really mean anything other than the fact that it means that these other hypothesized companies and developers are not working on it. So now we kind of have an idea of where things are at. Um, I still think this game is way off in the distance. I would be surprised if we see any footage of it within the next year. So um, just something to keep an eye on, but Bandai Namco is working on Metroid Prime 4. And then- Would would this be the first Bamco game on the Switch? Or am I out of the loop? Well, they're gonna have Dark Souls before then. True, uh, I, I, I can't believe I forgot about Dark Souls. Well, yeah, but that's not really a new game. That it, they there's something else they're working on too. I just saw I just saw news the other week for it. I but I can't remember what it is. I think they're working on their own um their own little franchise, like an indie franchise. 
but oh, I don't okay. I don't know what I don't know exactly what it is. Have you ever Dakota? Have you ever played a Metroid game? No, I haven't. You're not really into Metroidvanias, right? Um, I haven't played. I've played maybe one. Have you played? Um, but Ori? most of them are usually no. But most of them are usually platformers, so that's why. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. uh because i i'm not the biggest fan of platforms and i shouldn't say that i'm just very bad at platformers so i don't like to play them well uh, being bad at platformers makes them very very difficult to play because it they a their platformers tend to be probably i would say the most difficult genre in general yeah um, especially agreed. when we're looking at things like celeste and like super meat boy you know recent stuff i want to be the boshi or whatever but it's just like for, uh, specifically for metroid i would say that platforming isn't all that necessary although uh for metroid super metroid the the area i got hung up the most have you played it marcos super metroid a little yeah. bit i never finished it i think there, i made it as far as like uh, norfair whatever it was called yeah no love fair uh-huh i love no fair but it's like there's a grappling tool in that game and it requires you to like grapple from one spot to the next and oh man was that frustrating <laughs> I'm not really good at platformers either, but I still think that game in general is pretty accessible. The only, though, I, I mentioned Ori in the Blind Forest because that seems so up your alley, but it is difficult. It is like a difficult, I don't know that that's platforming. Yeah, it's it's probably a platform. Oh yeah, there's too. some platforming in there, but uh, yeah. I don't think it's, because the, it's more open of an area than it is in Super Metroid because uh, Super Metroid levels are more narrow than anything in Ori. Yes. You have these big old, um, squares i guess right as opposed to rectangles mm -hmm. uh i i yeah ori is ori is a must play i'm really excited there's a um i forget what the sequel is called it's like will of the wisp or something uh that doesn't sound yeah, right, i think that's great is that no, i think you're i think you're really close you're like 90 percent there <laughs> 90 percent. that was that was gonna be my guess for the name <laughs> <laughs> so and that's coming out soon that's a microsoft exclusive um i think yeah. but they published it on steam last time so uh, really? yeah mm -hmm. ori is on steam mm -hmm. um is at least the first one is i don't know if the second one will be or not i guess that really i don't weird. know that for sure yeah it's gorgeous okay so one final bit of of news and this is pretty uplifting monster hunter uh monster hunter world is the fastest selling capcom game ever Woo. according to capcom's own measurements so so Cat, I have been i've played a few hours of monster hunter we talk about monster Hunter almost every week for the last like month but I think this is big news for a couple of reasons. One, Capcom seems to be doing everything right. So like I've seen a lot of think pieces that's like Destiny has a lot to learn from Monster Hunter World and uh, how games could be more like Monster Hunter World and stuff like that. So <laughs> I think we're finally starting to see the, the tide turn for these these games that are uh, consumer, more consumer friendly, where it's just kind of you get the game and you get that full experience, and people aren't left wondering like, oh, well, you know, if I have these microtransactions in front of me, did they purposefully slow down my progression so that I would buy more? And there's nothing like that, in Monster Hunter. So I think we're actually seeing that, you know, success for that for that now. Um, yeah, good for Capcom, they needed it. Yeah. So. Yeah, Capcom specifically, <laughs> probably more yeah. so than even somebody like EA. Um, oh, they, they've had such a deep hole to dig themselves out of for the last Yeah, it's been a bad eight decade. years. Yep. <laughs> so I think, honestly, I think that's going to go ahead and wrap up our news segment. I, I don't want to, you know, reach to the bottom of the barrel. We have some interesting discussion. We're actually going to follow up on last week's protagonist discussion by talking about our favorite antagonist. Uh, so hang around for that after this break, and we'll see you guys in a few. This episode of the Epilogue Gaming Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon members. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. A special shout-out to our Platinum and Midnight tier members of February, including Matt Buchanan, Finks the Dragon Slayer, Blister Agent, Bright Wolves, and Drath Josh, who urges you to check out the Epilogue After Dark Podcast later this month. Welcome back. Oh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're we're gonna be uh, doing our discussion panel with our best antagonist, our favorite antagonist, moreover, and um, we're gonna play a little game. So let me explain this game to to both of you. Uh, we each picked three of our favorite antagonists, just like we did last week with our with our protagonist. Instead, this week 
uh, will each take a shot at guessing one of the uh, one of the antagonists on the other person's list. So what we'll do is if Dakota or Marcos accurately guess one, um, they will gain a point toward their, their trivia game total. They're currently tied. So let's hope this helped. I'm trying to figure out new ways that we can break this gridlock that you guys have been stuck in for like the last two months. So, so hopefully, um, hopefully th this is what does it. So three, three favorite antagonists. I think I'm going to go ahead and be the first to guess. Is that okay? Can I take, That's fine. can I take the lead here? Who's going to yeah. announce things first though? No, no, no. So I, we don't need to, you don't need to announce just, I am going to guess one of your antagonists and I will specify who I think it, the antagonist is for. And then you just tell me if I'm right or wrong. We'll do the list after. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. So does that seem that seem fair, Dakota? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So I'm gonna go ahead and guess one of Marcos's antagonists. So I thought about this a lot, and he he says that we he mentioned it last week on the podcast, but I don't I don't I honestly don't remember. But I'm going to go ahead and say Sephiroth from both, what is it, Final Fantasy VII and Kingdom Hearts yeah. 1 and 2 and probably 3. So I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and make that guess. Marcos, am I right or am I wrong? You're wrong. Oh, come on. He removed it from the list. Cheating. I did not remove it from the list. <laughs> I want my point. All right, Dakota, you, you, go, ahead and, you go ahead and make your, your guess. We each get three guesses. That's real funny because... and. Granted, I don't know any of the characters, but one of my very vague general guests, which is, this is the only thing it applied to, is I was just going to say someone from, well, now I can't even remember, the organization, or, or, organ, organization, organization 13. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Organization 13. That, it was like, I've, I didn't know how vague the guesses could be, so that was my first Oh, no, we, got, we have to be specific be. here. Yeah. No, it, it's fine. Uh, none it, of them I, are I don't, on my list. Oh. Okay. Well, lucky. Anyway, Dakota, what'd you end up? Uh, what What's gonna be your guess? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> oh, none of them are on your list. That's the only one I could think of. Marcos and his games are just a a lot harder for me to like pin down. Like compared to yours, I feel like I could get some pretty good guesses. Well, you can guess mine. Yours. You can guess you can mine. Guess on yeah, ben. you can you guess. guess you can me. all three of your guesses can be about my list. <gasps> okay, can I yeah. guess Bowser for you? You can, and you would be wrong. God damn! <laughs> Not Bowser. Yeah, surprisingly, no Bowser for me. Um, I think Bowser is is one of those great like franchise bosses, and I I think Bowser's imposing. I just there's nothing about Bowser that speaks complex antagonist to me. He's just kind of when you really think about Bowser, he, his no, motives are like, kind of boring. He's an awful villain. But do, they, but do they need to be imposing fun. for them to they be? Don't, your they don't need to be No, no, no. They don't need to be imposing. I listen. You guys will see mine, and we'll we'll justify our own list later on. But I'm just saying what? why Bowser for me is not on my list. Okay, so, Marcos, go ahead and take a take a stab at somebody's Majora. Story. Majora's Mask or whatever. For who? You. You guys are all going after me, huh? No, no, Majora. It's easy to guess. <laughs> I'm not easy to guess. You guys have both gotten it wrong. But you can't say those aren't <laughs> good guesses for you. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah. I mean, I, Majora's Mask is like one of your favorite games. Yes, ever. and Majora, yeah. Majora is particularly there. creepy and interesting. That is, I think that says a lot about where my final three are. I was very, very sure of myself. Uh, about my top five or so and right. these uh, these three i'm feeling really good about i'm feeling really good about okay. so i'm gonna take a chance and guess one of dakota's and i i i honestly i had to think a lot about this this is the one that i had before before the podcast even started i was like "Ooh, this is a this is a good pick my first one for dakota uh i think this is going to be her her top antagonist is going to be andrew ryan from bioshock Am no. I right? No. That's you know what I was. I literally just thought that was I was gonna guess that one for you though. Oh. <laughs> well, honestly, I I felt pretty confident about that pick. Now I I have no I I have no idea what your top three is gonna be. I'm actually really looking. No, forward yeah, to it, I feel like there's only one that either of you would be able to guess, like just off of 
knowing me. Uh, the other two will probably be total surprises. Okay. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing it. Do you, do you have a pick for Marcos or do you want to jump to Marcos real quick? Oh, I have a pick. I just don't know who to apply it to now. Okay. Well, go. Uh, I feel like it could go either way. Well, then um, uh, pick Marcos since you picked me first. Okay. Uh, okay. You don't fight over me now. <laughs> Marcos. Yeah, what's up? I'm gonna pick. Ugh. Now I'm doubting myself. Um. Oh God, what's what's her name? <laughs> the, the the evil robot for from Portal Two. Oh wow, Glados. Yeah. Yes. Nah. Thank you. God. Nah. No Glados for Marcos. I don't know. You don't. You're not even really a Portal guy, are you? Yeah, I I've never played Portal. <laughs> yeah, I, I conversely love Portal. But, yeah, um, I, I didn't know. Yeah, sorry about that one. No, Gladys yeah. is a good it's... answer. Gladys is a good answer. Okay, Marcos, you go ahead and go next. All right, Dakota, Donkey yes. Kong. <laughs> what? <laughs> that Donkey Kong booty. Yeah, yeah that's that no. the thing that I like. Oh, that's a thousand easy one. All right, so we we each have one left. Uh, I, I went through for Marcos. It was mostly about, let me find something that in the, in the fighting genre. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't really think, I couldn't really think of like an antagonist in the fighting genre. I know there are, I just don't really follow the campaigns. So I don't know who's like the good versus the evil character. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I'm sure we'll, we'll hear sooner or later. Uh, so my, my last pick my last pick for for Marcos, I think, is uh, I probably going to be something from a JRPG. Um, you know, honestly, it's going to be some sort of Square Enix. Who who is the Final Fantasy like? Well, there's they the villains tend to vary one from from game to game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Especially among the Final Fantasies, I don't think they've unless they're a spinoff of the Final Fantasies, they don't really share. Um, bosses or big baddies don't really yeah hmm you know what i think i think i'm oh goodness who's marcos i I have a guess and i this is the one i wrote down but i don't think this is necessarily gonna be it but help me out here the devil may cry villain um uh what's his name the big boy from like don't may cry one and the remake yes from Mundus? Mundus. Yeah, that's the one I I was thinking of. He was close, but he didn't make it to the list. Okay. All right, no Mundus. All right. Well, <laughs> I got all three guesses wrong. How embarrassing. Okay. Yeah, so I got <laughs> me and me and me and Marcos brought to to throw some big fat zeros too. Okay. Probably. Well, I, have have we seriously not gotten a single one? Not yet. Okay. All right, Dakota, if you have a guess. Um I'm gonna guess for you. Okay. And now I'm gonna. Uh, this is a tough game. The, I didn't expect it to be this tough. The devil from Cuphead. The devil from Cuphead. Nope. <laughs> no. It was either the devil or King Dice. Okay. I do love King Dice. I love King Dice, but not not on my list. But that was a good guess. Honestly, it was a good guess. It, it recent enough where it would have popped into my head, but. No for me, Marcos. Uh, All right, Ben. Okay, you get you got one guess. I'm trying so hard for us to break this stupid tie between is, you guys. Is it Gwyn? Gwyn is on my list. Yeah, so I guess Gwyn, right. is, Gwyn is third on my list, so you get a point. Um, Woo. Uh, I, let me defend Gwyn a little bit. So one of my favorite things about, about Gwyn is sort of the lineage that he creates between dark souls one and dark souls three he's not your typical antagonist because he's not actively trying to stop the player from doing anything necessarily until you I mean, meet not personally, him personally yeah no but it, not until you meet him late in the game and one of the interesting things about about gwyn is that he actually for those who don't know this is i guess a dark souls three spoiler but he actually kind of exists in sort of a metaphysical form in in dark souls three but the really interesting thing is all of his lineage that's scattered across the Dark Souls franchise that is like actively just sort of a thorn in your side. And Gwyn has this this metaphysical pre- presence like everywhere you go. And I just really, really, I like, I, 
moreover, he is the one, the reason that your character even exists in the first place. But I, I think one of the things that I really like about Gwyn beyond the the idea that he's got a great boss fight and he's got this this really unique lore that kind of um, kind of backs him up. I, I like the fact that he's he's not necessarily this sort of tropey antagonist that we've gotten so used to in Bowser and Ganon for sure. Um, and he he's a quiet he's quiet and he's he's menacing and threatening. And when you see Ganon, at, or excuse me, when you see Gwyn at the end of the of Dark Souls One, it's after you've seen big monsters like Seath and the Asylum Demon and uh, Nido and these big, imposing, frightening bosses and antagonists. But then there's Gwyn at the end, and he sort of just matches your own presence in terms of size and scale, and that is scary to me. It's like the, it, this very like humanistic character is the last thing standing in your way. Um, after you've fought all of these like really imposing characters, and so for for me, what what makes Gwyn so special is that at, in a game like Dark Souls, where you're just fighting all these these beasts, he is he is like you. It's like you're fighting a mirror image. It's almost like the you remember in um, Ocarina of Time when you fight uh, what is it? What do they call it? Shadow Link. Dark Link. Dark Link. It almost feels like that, doesn't it? At the you know when you're fighting Gwyn, it's almost like you're fighting your mirror image, like the thing you're later going to become. And when I mean, yeah, you got the unkilled versus the Lord. Yeah, so. and ultimately you do end up the in canon you end up becoming Gwyn's replacement. Mm-hmm. So it's really just just one of those things where it's kind of you that fight just will linger with you because it has such significance through the franchise, and it's just one. It's not like they. I mean, they sort of bring it back, but it's not like this thing where oh, Gwyn is like... Do they tr- bring it back? <laughs> uh, yeah, but in a very interesting way, right? It's not like, okay, here's yeah, here's Gwyn sure. V2. That's not really what it is. It's... Uh, it's it, They handled it perfectly. It's... Oh, they, yeah. they have and this... And overlooked. Gwyn has one of the best boss themes in music in video game history. Oh, yeah, for sure. If maybe not the best. Like, there's no, there's no other boss... That for me, like that music really, I, I can remember mostly Ganon music, but like that one is, that will always be Gwyn's theme. That will always be yeah, Gwyn's man. theme. So <laughs> anyway, music that was, so well. yeah. And it, it's too infrequently that it does, but uh, that's my number three. Dakota, do you want to go ahead and start going down your list with your number three, uh, your third favorite antagonist? Yeah, my third favorite antagonist is Girahim from uh, Skyward Sword. I almost wow. I almost said something from Skyward Sword, but I haven't played the game, so I wouldn't have even known. I wouldn't even known who the antagonist That's is. That's the skinny it. dude with the nose, right? Yeah, he's the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I can't say something. It'll, it'll get cut out. <laughs> um. Well... It... Anyway, I guess without spoiling, just for me because I haven't played Skyward Sword, what what is it that makes uh, this character so uh, so antagonistic? Um, so just to give like you the idea of kind of like the bare minimum that he is, he's kind of he's the main. Um, he's kind of like Zant in Twilight Princess. Yeah, I was gonna um, ask. He's hmm. the Zant of Skyward Sword, um, where he's just constantly uh, he's trying to capture Zelda. And um, he's always, like, out to get Link because he's trying to resurrect, um, like, a demon. So sort of like an actively but, uh, present boss. Yeah, and yeah. you do fight him pretty early on in the game. But I just love, I kind of like villains that are just bad to be bad. Bad to <laughs> and, be bad, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, he's just annoying, but also I just love his overall character where he's extremely flamboyant and he's not like big and like scary and villainous, kind of like how Ganondorf is or Bowser or these villains that are huge and bulky and menacing. But he's scary in a way that he makes you uncomfortable because he's not big. He's very like thin and like probably about the same height as like maybe only a bit taller, but he's like super flamboyant and theatrical um sort of like count olaf from like series of unfortunate yes, events yeah yes and his whole kind of thing is he makes you uncomfortable versus you see him and you're like intimidated 
which I I kind of like. It's it seems like we're we're sort of on the the same lines of thought here. I I think I appreciate that too. It's almost like just by defying the trope of what a boss or antagonist should be, it makes them more intimidating and interesting. It's and like, like okay, you're not the way that I've I would have envisioned you. So that makes you more interesting. Yeah, and he does he makes like your skin crawl because he's just kind of like creepy and kind of gross and he kind of gets up in your face a lot and he'll do kind of it's not scary but it's just in the moment when you're about to fight him and you know he's the villain it's just like you you get the creeps and your skin crawls like i think he'll like take his tongue and like put it real close to your face or something and it's real long and gross <laughs> <laughs> all right well marcos it, oh, go go ahead and finish up yeah i, I don't know i like him yeah, I think I think I definitely agree with the notion that like a boss doesn't have to be this Bowser type. Like it just doesn't need to be. Um, all right, well, Marcos, go ahead and do your your third. Uh, my third favorite on the list is uh, Akuma or Goki from Street Fighter. I knew it. I don't. I I mean, I knew that it would be a Street Fighter. I didn't know why, but. He's not the biggest baddie, he because the biggest baddie like in all the Street Fighter games are always like Akuma or Gil. But uh, mm -hmm. Akuma, I mean, uh, M Bison or Gil. But uh, Akuma is this—he's uh, this ever-present guy that's around. Because like the whole thing is Street Fighter main character being Ryu slash Ken. Like Ryu is just a dude that wants to walk, go around the world and fight guys. He wants to get stronger. And uh, so, kind of like Dakota Akuma, was saying, bad to be bad. Well, not necessarily. Akuma is just this guy that always tries to get at Ryu because just like Ryu, he wants to fight to get stronger, but with a different end goal. Ryu just wants to become a better person. He just wants to better himself to the point where he can finally say that he's good enough to become a teacher. And so he beats people up? Teach. That's lame. Akuma, <laughs> wants to, Akuma wants to get better until he can find somebody that can kill him. Oh, that is interesting. I like that. He is, he's, like, he's kind of nihilistic in that sense. Okay, and, all right. Um, you know, honestly... Throughout the series, he's, he influences Ryu to become this other side of Ryu who, um, for, for prosperity's sake, he becomes evil Ryu. Because there's this, there's this energy inside Akuma that is inside every fighter, which is the urge to kill, the killing intent. Mm -hmm. and Okuma embraces this because that's what he wants he says that a true fight is found in a fight to the death and Ryu wants to and Ryu preserves life so that's the conflict between the two and I like Okuma in that sense he's not necessarily evil but he is a demon yeah so pretty evil then <laughs> hey man he doesn't like he doesn't kill people he erases their soul yeah that sounds pretty evil to me Marcos <laughs> He's awesome, dude. I love Akuma. If he's no. in any Street Fighter, you best believe I'm maining him. So yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty good. You there. you won me over. I like the idea of somebody who's like just waiting for somebody to kill them. That's honestly what Gwyn is, though. That's what Gwyn does. He's just sitting there waiting for somebody to come take his spot. That's really what well, he, he's is, doing. The right? difference is that Gwyn sits. Akuma, he he travels. Yeah, fair <laughs> he enough. He actively seeks it out. So. I want. I just want to say because this brought you guys. You guys mentioned a couple that were were close. One of the ones that was actually really close, and I can't believe I have the audacity to bring this up after last week. But one of the the villains that I really love is Red. I love Red from. So, oh. And, Not Ash, but Red, right? Yes, Red. <laughs> well, specifically Red in this one. You know, I, I thought more about that whole discussion, and I want oh to just defend God. myself for a he second. Let it fester. I I just <laughs> I want to defend myself for a second that that Ash actually is a protagonist in the Pokemon franchise mm -hmm. as in Pokemon Yellow. He it, like you can't you can't ignore the fact that Pikachu you're carrying around a Pikachu along the same exact path that Ash travels in the anime, right? Like that oh, it's just so it's but so how right popular there. is Pokemon Yellow? More I think it's just as popular as Red and Versus Blue. How 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 reoccurring is the character Red? No, but you're right. It I was I was just hoping. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, so my my number two here is, and I'm so so sad for Dakota. I almost want to give her a point. My number two is Glados. 
Uh, God from, damn it! From I knew it! I knew someone so, would have had GLaDOS! Yeah. I felt it in my bones. GLaDOS God, is I wasted a, it, on Twinkie. I, I don't have much to oh, say about GLaDOS yeah. outside of the fact that she, she's hilarious, she's menacing, she's powerful, she plays with the player. It, really just kind of a villain unlike any other. Um, I it, This also brought to mind because I, I was dancing with a few different answers here, and one of my answers was almost the narrator from Stanley Parable who I think is antagonistic. <laughs> He's actively rooting against the player, right? Like, for the most part, it, it, I would consider the narrator to be antagonistic. I and then, that's a good answer. And then I thought to myself, GLaDOS is really kind of the same way, except she is, like, much more violent about it. And so, I, I don't know. GLaDOS was an, was an easy answer for me, where it was just, like, uh, GLaDOS is, is funny, uh, menacing, and sort of this this imposing task that you ultimately know you'll have to go through if you want to want to you know quote unquote beat portal um and just does a really great job of you know we've talked a lot about these like ever-present bosses well that's definitely what glados is glados is with you the entire game right just kind of mm -hmm. always reminding you of her presence yeah. so and of course they we have the the um survive that excellent song that glados sings at the end of portal one so that's my answer. Um, Dakota, do you want to go ahead and tell us your second favorite antagonist? You know, I know I just went on a thing about why I like villains to just be evil because they can be. Uh -huh. But my number two choice, and I feel like this one uh, would have been like a rather easy guess. This was the only easy guess for either of you. I'm would kicking myself been, already. Uh, Dowd from Dishonored. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I should have known that. I should have known that. Yeah. I should have thought but, about uh, Dishonored. He, uh, and I mean, he is. In the first game, he, he's just, he's evil out of, uh, you know, wanting to be rich and powerful and to, you know, have money and power. But as in Dishonored's two DLC, it has two DLC where you actually play as Dowd, who at some point after seeing, after watching Corvo's success, um, not even after what, yeah, after watching Corvo's success, he starts to regret what he did. Um, and he starts to regret, like, taking the money and killing the Empress. He, even in the first game, he says that's something he never should have, he, it's something he never should have done. He, nobody should have to kill an Empress, was, is what he says. Um, especially her, because she was, she was such a good leader. And so, in the second game, it's kind of him going on this journey of becoming, uh, you know, someone that he can kind of be proud of himself. He doesn't really do it for anyone else. Um, and then I think even the third game follows, uh, like kind of his successor, Billy, uh, Billy Lurch. Wait, I think third, third DLC or third game? It, it's a third game, but Are it's not very Are you talking about the, the attachment to Dishonored 2? Yeah. What I didn't it, know. What is it called again? Oh, I, I'll back check uh, it while you're. The end. I mean. It's like the end of the outsider or something like that. But it's kind of. It's not a DLC. It kind of is like its own little thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the standalone. Oh, I can't remember the name. Um, um, where she kind of is supposed to success him, and his dying wish was for her to somehow murder the outsider, who is uh like a god in this. That's game. what it is. Death of an outsider. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. And because he believed the outsider brings nothing but bad. But in his, like, personal journey, it's him, you know, trying to find... And I can't even remember why he's trying to hunt down the, this woman named Delilah, who actually ends up being the main antagonist in Dishonored 2. But it's kind of, you watch him, you, you play as him going on this, like, personal journey of, like, why he did these things. And he's trying to become a better person, and it and the you know the way it shows itself in the end is he either gets murdered by his crew and they all turn on him or his this cause it kind of seemed like they were on the brink of being done with him and kind of tired of his shenanigans well let me ask or, you a question dakota just before you break away from that point do you think that it's necessary for a villain to be sympathetic in some regard uh no in order to I like don't. them no, I don't think so, but I feel like a lot of people do feel that way, though. Toward I Dowd. feel like, yeah. Um, I, I, well, I just, I think that just from your description, the game goes to such lengths to humanize this character that it almost seems like 
the the villain you know it it wouldn't be the same villain without it without that you know yeah. after playing dishonored one several times i never really got the feeling that dowd was all that interesting so maybe that it's it is kind of that that he, deeper humanization he he really isn't and the first game never goes into great like lengths to kind of um especially you see him at the end he's kind of like a final boss fight and your only interaction with him is to either uh when you're in there like their little assassin base you're either your only option is to kill him uh purely because he killed the empress or to just walk away right and that's that's kind of your only interaction for him and the game uh does give you like an, a little achievement for choosing kind of forgiveness over um killing him and yeah, Even we actually, people... I think you went over this very point last week when we were talking about um, Corvo as being your favorite protagonist, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, in just in like games in general, that's a huge moment for any game. Because I don't feel like any other game, because there's not even a, a reward for, there's no reward for walking away other than like, you know, a simple achievement. But there's, there's a no couple role... in like The Walking Dead that sort of do the same thing, where it's like you yeah. can leave characters be. But yeah, I don't know about it necessarily. But it's cheese. like, and it's even easy, you know, to kill, you know, all the other, there's no way to take him out non-lethally. It's either kill or not. And mm -hmm. so many people will kill him just because he killed the Empress. You know, he's kind of like, he's, he's the one that put all of this into motion. If he hadn't taken that deal, none of this would have happened. And so it's very easy to just want to kill him because he did bad. But the, and the game doesn't even reward you for not really killing him. And I feel like it's a huge moment to be able to just step away and, like, kind of have that, like, forgiveness almost. Or that, you know, you did bad, but I'm not going to kill you for it. And then just walk away, even though they hurt you so immensely. I'm pretty um, sure then, that we could turn this into a Dishonored podcast at oh, some I point. Oh, I could talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We've had two straight weeks of Dishonored dissertations. Sorry, uh, no, I could talk about it I forever. Know, I know, I know. And I hate to cut you off because I, I like hearing about it, but um, I guess let's just go ahead and get to Marcos's so we can talk about our, our favorite antagonist. Um, and You know what we should do? Before I break off from this, we should actually have a, a, a podcast discussion about morality choices in video games because we haven't really talked about that outside of the Dishonored stuff. And there's so many games that, that do it well. Um, yeah, I, you I have like, Life is Strange, uh, Dishonored, obviously. Walking um, Dead. I Walking would argue Dead. anything in the Souls franchise. There's oh, there's tons of games that we could we could talk about. Uh, anyway, Marcos, go ahead. So I, I um, we don't you know linger on that point. My second favorite goes to Garman. Ooh, ooh, I really like that. Yeah, Wait, explain yeah. Garman from from Bloodborne too. He's the wheelchair man that uh, you meet at the beginning oh. of the game. And he winds okay. up being the final, the the final boss, the final hunter the, that you yeah, have to take out. The yeah. Final hunter to fight out. Who is the first hunter to have ever been? Oh man. Yeah. So he is. Oh, he. he the game hints at how slimy this man is. Right from the get-go. The more you play yeah. the game, and the further you go, you realize just what he's done. And especially in the old hunters DLC, you see that there is a giant secret that the hunter, the giant sin that the hunters have committed being the murder of an old woman. So and, oh they he did so much to hide these stuff, these things that to the point he enforces Lady Maria to be locked in this astral clock tower just to keep you from going into the fishing hamlet that holds all the secrets that these hunters have kept. So one of the interesting, the root of all this. yeah, I mean, and so if Garman is the, I think one of the things, again, this is just an, another thing that I think we, if we sort of looked at what was interesting about all of these antagonists, one of the things that would be interesting is that they're sort of in front of you the entire, the entire time, uh, mm -hmm. whether it be in a physical way, like Garman, who's literally there from the get go in that wheelchair, um, or in sort of a passing way where like people were referred to them. And I think, so like for Gwyn, you know, in Dark Souls, people will refer to Gwyn in in passing. They'll say they'll say Gwyn's name. You'll read it on like item inscriptions. With with Garman or with Dowd, you're sort of physically presented with their character throughout the game. Um, so sure. you know, I think any any boss that sort of shows itself at the end, and this was why I didn't end up going with Ganon, and I find Ganon to be kind of uninteresting 
is because for the most part, outside of like Ocarina of Time, Ganon reveals himself in almost a Scooby-Doo-like fashion at the end of the game, <laughs> right? Oh. Um, and so that makes him less interesting to me. It's like, okay, so this was Ganon the whole time. Like that's- God, I it, hate that. Yeah, what's interesting <laughs> about that to me? So I think moreover, it's this, it, it's when we fully realize these characters as being a part of our story. And that's what's interesting about Garman. Like you said, you sort of unravel all of these interesting things and terrible things that he's done as you play the game. Um, so I think, I think Garman's a really good choice. Uh, I, I kind of, it kind of slipped my mind, I guess, just because when I was thinking of souls, it was like Gwyn popped for me right away. So, okay, so here's my... like more for the personal thing. Yeah. I like Bloodborne over the Souls franchise. Not to no, I... what I think about Souls. Yeah, I, I know, yeah. I know you do. Um, so my number one choice, and I kind of, I'll be honest, I played. Uh, I sort of what it, what is what was that phrase we were just talking about? Subterfuge. It's the German phrase for like deceit. Oh, okay. Subterfuge. Is is that what it is? I don't know. I can't remember. I have no clue. I just like that word. Yeah, I think I think it is. But anyway, so I I did that, <laughs> whatever you would call it, and um, I I guess that is Dakota's answer. But my number one choice for greatest antagonist of all time is Andrew Ryan. And God, I knew I should have guessed it. That, and then GLaDOS, I was like, I was going to guess that for you. Ha ha, how funny. <laughs> and then I never did. <laughs> and plus, I couldn't even remember his name, I guess, from the... I, I knew, I was like, the Bioshock villain would be a good one. Well, there's two Bioshock villains. One is, yeah, again, Andrew much Ryan less interesting Comstock. to me. Well, well, Comstock is interesting. But the the other one is Atlas. And I trust <laughs> that more people would pick Atlas as the being the big... Because again, so we aren't they the same person? No, no, no. no. So let me explain. Atlas oh, is the character who is the on the walkie-talkie with you. This is again a Bioshock spoiler, so I I apologize, but I assume at this point, um, and he sort it's of does he does that Scooby Doo like thing where at the end, and it's an interesting twist. But at the end of the game, it's like, <laughs> oh, this was really Atlas, the big baddie we've been hearing about this whole game, like all of a sudden. But Andrew Wait, Ryan. So which game is Andrew Ryan then? Andrew, they're both Bioshock One. Yeah. So yeah. So Andrew Ryan, Andrew Ryan is sort of the ruler of Rapture. He's the one who created it with oh, Atlas. Oh, okay. He's okay. the golf club guy. Yeah, and Atlas is low key trying to get you to kill Andrew Ryan the entire game. Um, and so Andrew Ryan is almost, I would say, three fourths of the way through the game is when your confrontation with Andrew Ryan happens. But he's radioing you the whole time. Um, and sort of throwing different threats and uh, and obstacles your way. The interesting thing about Andrew Ryan is that we sort of in that that uh, those closing moments with him realize that he has sort of an understanding of the world that that most villains don't, um, and that he he understands that he's bad. There's no like greater good. It's more just like greed, and he has he hypothesizes that humans are are just kind of like looking for a leader. Um, what is the the philosopher who who thinks that all humans are are just sort of looking for a dictator in their lives? Oh gosh, this is gonna kill me. Don't ask me. I'm not college educated. Um, I hope I hope Marx? my our colleague Blake doesn't listen to this podcast because he'll is no. It it's not Marx it's not Marx. Be... It's earlier. Um, oh, somebody will fact check me. Um, yeah, I, I can do it right I'm not, now. Yeah, I'm not fluent in my. Um, I think it starts with a U. Oh gosh, that sounds right. I don't know. Uh, regardless, while Dakota fact checks for us, um, it's sort of this basic idea that that Ryan has this understanding of humanity, and he just doesn't bother with that fake presence that Atlas does. That it's like there's no reason to fake who you are. It's just like Andrew Ryan is a bad guy. He knows that. He's just going after his, like what he believes to be his, he is going to go get it. Um, and of course there's that excellent final moment where um, you, you confront Andrew Ryan and he knows you're going to kill him, but he is going to, um, you know, pull out all the stops to make sure that, you know, you're, what you're doing is, is also terrible. Like you're, you're a murderer, you're a killer. Um, yeah. And it is sort of like a philosophical nature. I gosh, I wish I could remember this. Uh, if Dakota can't find it, I will. Um, but I guess let's while Dakota's checking this, Marcos, who is your favorite antagonist ever? Ooh, 
Kefka Palazzo from Final Fantasy VI. Ah. Uh, oh. Easy. Who is it? Thomas Hobbs. Yes, thank you, Hobbs. That's who it is. I just had to kind of dig a little bit. Yeah, that's who it is. No, it doesn't start with a U. I was thinking utilitarian, but that's not. That's the opposite. No, <laughs> so he anyway. says that all humans are kind of looking for a sovereign leader. Yes, yes, thank you. Tom, yeah, it's Hobbs. Uh, Sorry, right. Twinkie. Anyway, yeah, Marcos, so go ahead. This at this point, man. Uh, but yeah, Kefka Palazzo, Final Fantasy VI. What makes Biggest him interesting? Oh, the way this guy is, man. He's like a, he's like an infant in a man's body with a super genius psyche. He wants to get his way, and he will get his way. And spoilers, he gets his way. <laughs> so, it, what about him makes him interesting as a villain? Like, what what does he embody that sort of other villains don't? <sighs> what he does, he wins. Like he, a lot of a lot of villains don't pull off what they want to do they don't make it to the end and this guy good point yeah he he does it he wins and you have to deal with that and they do a great job of making you hate this guy every character that you have in the giant roster of final fantasy 6 hates kefka he's done something to mess with them and they all have a stake in the fight and kefka has zero or little to no care about the human race in itself and he's a human he wants. He just wants to abandon that part of him. Huh. And interesting. Come to the very end, you you have to deal with that overwhelming entity, that power. And he's very meek. Like in throughout the game, you see he's just a weak little guy. He's a giant. He's a literal. He's literally a clown. He's a jester. He. Huh. But he's a fantastic mage. And isn't it something oh. that 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 is. More so than any anything else is what links all of ours together is that they're all sort of like meager humans. <laughs> That's no, man. Okuma ain't meager. Well, okay, Okuma is. I guess you're right. Okuma's not one. And then it, that's it, right? That's it. The, yeah. All the all the rest of us. Yeah, Garmin's are... a little old man. Yeah, Garmin literally is in a wheelchair. Uh, Gwyn is dying. Like he's on his deathbed. Literally, he's he's like just lurking in his grave. Uh, and of course he's like a powerful swordsman, but that's same with Garvin. Uh, that's it, right? I mean, that, that's what it's, it's that they're all humanized. Uh, Even with Dowd and, you know, all of Dakota's, uh, they're all, they're all humanized. Anyway, Dakota, I guess just go ahead and give us your last one. Um, Uh, my last one, it might be a surprise because I don't, I don't know if either of you have played this game or even know that I like this game, but it's from what... My one of my favorite games, uh, Rampa. Oh, I know about uh, Dongan Rampa, yeah. And, is, and it's, oh, is it the teddy bear? No, it's no, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's uh, Junko Enoshima, who is the I haven't played the ultimate the, despair, yes, she's the ultimate despair. Yeah, I know so Dongan Rampa, and she like all of the characters just are you know high school students and um when she first appears in the game she is thought of as just the super i can't remember how they phrase it like super high school level like uh supermodel and it's like each high schooler is like beyond like they are like a prodigy and a very specific thing so hers is like modeling i think there's like a baseball player there's like a super psychic but... Yeah, every character is like an ultimate in some sort how do, of how yeah. Do, yeah, how does one person get to be a baseball character and the other one is with got psychic powers? <laughs> I mean, that's what makes it fun. You have yeah. people that there's have like pretty serious things. Okay. There's, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's one character in the game that's like the ultimate weeaboo or some shit. It's pretty Literally, funny. it's the op- yeah, one of the characters is like the ultimate um basically kind of like a crude anime artist i can't okay. remember the yeah. word for it <laughs> weeaboo weeaboo is <laughs> certainly probably not the word that's used in the game but yeah. oh no it's, it's definitely close. weeaboo it's pretty close okay okay fair enough but and even your main character is it, like his skill is uh luck he literally yeah. got into this school super pretty prestigious school where it's if you like you're lucky to get in like so yeah. so infinitely lucky and he literally got in based off of luck. No talents. He's your average high school student. Both of your main characters are in two of the games that I've played. They they literally got in based on luck. 
That's a really yeah, fascinating he's the concept. Ultimate lucky guy. He's pretty And fun. so you, he's surrounded by all these like crazy super students who are crazy talented in like whatever it is they do. And he's literally he's pretty mediocre. So uh, what about the villain? But yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, uh, no, sometimes I gotta she... try and reel Dakota back in. <laughs> but she, at the start of the game, she actually dies. Uh -huh. Um, uh, it's a staged death where she has a twin sibling that dies for her. But she ends up being this omnipresent. She controls the Monokumas, who are the evil bears that kind of are your principal, and they kind of control the whole situations. Uh huh. Um. And who's constantly putting all of the students in constant pressure because their options are to either kill each other and only one person's going to get out in the end or to live in this high school locked up for the rest of their lives. Um, and obviously they don't want to live there for the rest of their lives. Uh, and so they, she puts these like constraints and situations on them to force each other to kind of like to force everyone to, to kill each other because they want to get out. The actual real title is the ultimate despair. Like she was pretty much one of the head leaders to put the entire world, because Dongan Ropa pretty much takes place in like a kind of apocalyptic world where everyone is filled with despair, and these kids are like the only hope for the future. And so it's to cause them like pretty much the rest of the world even more despair, because she literally televises like them murdering each other. Yikes. Well, so, it sounds pretty evil. Yeah, she's basically she's she's just awful, and I I kind of hate her. But in the same time, it's like God, it's a villain you you love to hate kind of right. thing. Yeah. Well, thank you for the for the answers from all three of you. I this podcast is is quickly running longer than I I thought it would. So let's go ahead. I told and, you we were gonna screw it up. I know. I know. I try and get it under that, in an these hour. Things. <laughs> It's okay. Without expecting me to go on for 15 minutes minimum. <laughs> no, yeah, I I appreciate both of your answers. Um, so let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get into our questions. I think Marcos is now up by one, right? He got my yeah. Gwyn, so he he's leading, which means that you'll go first, Marcos. Um, he cheated. So just sort of an inverse of what the question was last week. I have a new one this week. This is my own question. Uh, I have fact checked it. Which of the following games does Ganon not make a cameo in? Is it A, Harvest Moon? Is it B, Scribble Knots Unlimited? Is it C, 3D Dot Game Heroes? Or is it D, Fallout New Vegas? Marcos? 3D Dot Game Hero. Okay. And Dakota? I'm putting money on Harvest Moon. It actually he was in Harvest Moon and 3D <sighs> Dot Game Heroes. So we have zero, zero, yeah, made appearance what? in both. Where? Um, what Harvest Moon game? What time? When? Uh, I'm assuming Did whatever. You say Scribble Nuts. I call, I'm called Bull. I call I'm pretty Bull. sure. Just just to clarify, Harvest Moon, um, <laughs> he makes several appearances across. He and other Zelda characters make several appearances across the Harvest Moon franchise. Usually in like, really? yeah, like sort of background. Again, these are cameos, so they're not like oh, yeah. Ganon pops up. But I think I think uh, there's actually a character named Ganon in the Harvest Moon franchise. I'll double check that, but I'm pretty I sure. Yeah, um, and it just has like a striking resemblance to Ganon. So that that one's actually pretty obvious. Whereas uh, the actual answer here is Fallout New Vegas. Ganon does not oh. make an appearance in Fallout New Vegas. Oh, fair. So, um, yeah, he's in 3D, apparently with a few extra limbs, but, um, so yeah, Dakota fact checks this. It, it, um, it's actually yeah. one of the ones I've played too. It's one of yeah. my favorite ones. One of the ones I like a lot. Huh. So yeah. Uh, and he does resemble kind of the, like the same Ganon. It's not Ganon dwarf. It's Ganon. Ugly. He's very yeah, ugly. So very ugly and big and monstrous, uh, from the looks of it, but <laughs> He's um, a simple carpenter. Leave him alone. <laughs> um, so I actually oh, have man. a bonus question because it's Valentine's Day and love is in the air. So uh, Marcos, <laughs> Marcos is is still gonna go first here. I have one simple question for both of you. You can you will get a point if you guess it correctly. Are Mario and Peach married? Yes or no, Marcos? No. Oh. No. no? Both of you? Yeah. Marcos, final yeah. answer. Okay. Yeah, both of them, they are not actually married. So it's, this was only confirmed recently in Super Mario Odyssey, actually. Um, this was something that people had hypothesized that they were actually married. 
Um, but in Super Mario Odyssey, the plot, the main plot is Peach is uh, Bowser is trying to marry Peach, which only can imply canonically at least that they're not married. Uh, so, so love is not quite in the air for Mario and Peach. Maybe next Valentine's Day they'll be married. They'll have tied the knot. Uh, or whatever. Nah, never going to happen. <laughs> that, is, it, it a, is it appropriate for me to post my Wario and Waluigi picture <laughs> of Zelda and Link? <laughs> that, that's one of my favorite pictures I've ever seen. <laughs> that one took me off guard. Um, regardless, uh, Marcos holds his lead. I think I think it's 10 to 9. I, I want to say it's 10 to 9 now. So if you're keeping track at home, let us know. If you're out in front, we've had one at least one listener say that they they had 13 as of last week, so that's pretty I don't impressive. Them. <laughs> um, so that's gonna do it for us this week, Marcos and Carmona. Uh, I it was yeah, nice Marcos having Marcos and you. Carmona. No, not Marcos and Carmona. Marcos and Carmona and Dakota and Trammel. Uh, <laughs> it was it was, it was nice to have both of you on. We almost didn't we almost didn't have Dakota on this week, but uh, hey, thankfully I was just asleep. You can just call me. I'll yeah, wake up. Me and um. So well, I think I'm gonna have to remove that. No, no, you're keeping it, Ben. You need no. You need to be open about your infidelity. Well, now I definitely have to cut it. <laughs> I didn't even hear what he said. This is gonna be the hardest podcast ever to cut. Um, I'm sorry. No, I mean it's not. It's not just you. Uh, let's let's see where how how far into this. At thing. least I didn't say bad words. It, uh, I didn't say a bad word. I said infidelity. You, I didn't say anything nefarious either. Three, two, one. One. So that's gonna do it for us this week. This is the epilogue gaming been podcast. Been Marcos by Dakota and uh, and Marcos, Marcos yeah. and Carmona uh, and- <laughs> this week. So thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next Tuesday. Uh, take care and have a wonderful week. Bye, everybody. Ooh.